whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America, and this is the Inside Pharma Report, inside the black box of big pharma and how it affects your life and your health when our pharmaceutical consultant from the UK, Hedley Reese, exposes what is really going on inside big pharma that is jeopardizing your health and safety of the medicines and vaccines that you take. And also an update today on what is happening with the British Association of Pharmaceutical Manufacturers and how does that affect safety and quality control for patients. Headley, it's good to have you back on the Whistleblower Report. I know you've been working on a new book. You can Tell our listeners about that in the second half of the show and what to look for. And in the meantime, there is so much happening on the front with the pharmaceutical companies running roughshod over the regulatory authorities and essentially capturing the regulatory authorities so that the regulators are not doing their job. It's the tail wagging the dog and patients are dying and being injured because our normal safety and quality oversight processes are not being followed. So let's update our listeners on all you're doing on the front across the pond in the UK and with your European colleagues. Okay, well, thanks, Dr. Lee. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. Uh, I've had some what I call late-breaking news even in the, in the last few days. I, I get the monthly edition of the Pharma Times. Uh, I've been taking it for about 15 or 20 years. Uh, these days I just put it in the bin or, or in the trash. But uh, what caught my attention was the editorial uh, for the Pharma Times. Now, the Pharma Times is the journal of the association of the British pharmaceutical industry. So this is the trade association that represents all the big pharma companies. Uh, It's equivalent to uh, uh, pharma in the US, the same trade association. And I I read the editorial and I'm just gonna read this out to you just just so that your listeners can get an understanding of of what we're up against. It's titled Familiar Foe. It's quite short, but I will talk to it. It says, as winter looms, so does a name that sends chills through our collective soul, COVID-19, the pantomime body we hope we've seen the back of. In reality, COVID-19 does not represent the terrifying existential threat of 2020. 
It is now simply part of the ever-circulating family of viruses that enter and leave our system at will. The only major difference being that we all know the name of this one. It is still not widely appreciated, however, that the entire reason for COVID-19 status as just another virus is the work of the life sciences industry. And shout out to Professor Sarah Gilbert. Now, Professor Sarah Gilbert is a lady at Oxford University, is supposed to have discovered uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, I can tell you she didn't because uh, uh, we've spoken about uh, who who developed the AstraZeneca vaccine in in the past, but and she actually had a standing ovation at Wimbledon uh, in two thousand and twenty. Then it goes on, and it's worth restating that the current status quo of relative calm is not due to Boris Johnson or Matt Hancock or Harry and Meghan or Bluey, for that matter. It is squarely down to the inherited lab crews of these fair isles. So this is the ABPI saying we invented the vaccine and we actually brought it to the world to cure COVID-19. Now, you know, that is a joke, of course. And anyway, it, 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 it goes on to say, indeed, history may never truly recognize pharma as the de facto freedom fighter of the pandemic story. So I'm dropping it in here for posterity. Navigating threats at light speed will continue to di dictate the narrative with technology, digital, AI, and the life sciences taking a leading role. And thus healthcare professionals, more specifically doctors and nurses, will inevitably embrace the future and collaborate with it. It finishes, Undoubtedly, from the tumult of industrial action and razzmatazz of an era-defining election, next year, the emergence of a match-fit farmer NHS union has never been more crucial, signed John Pinching. Now, that sends shivers down my spine, I have to say. Boy, it does mine too, because what we know is that they didn't, they did develop it. They the virus was engineered itself, and the vaccine was engineered to be toxic by design, not to cure the world. Dr. Yeadon has exposed all of that from the beginning in 2020. Uh, this is just shocking that in in the face of all of the deaths, disability, permanent damage to patients worldwide, that that this this person is claiming they're curing the world? No, they're killing the world. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted uh, listeners in the US to understand that the British pharmaceutical industry, it's been a global force for um, 30, 40 years with GSK, which <clears throat> at one time was the largest pharmaceutical company in the world. So the other thing that I've turned up is that the UK government has been having meetings with the pharmaceutical industry since 2021. That's for 21 years. The <clears> first <throat> meeting was chaired by the CEO of, wait for it, AstraZeneca. And there were numerous, there were two Association of British Pharmaceutical Industry uh, representatives there. 
There was someone from Merck, Sharp and Dome, and um, and there were government ministers there, and the NHS was there. And this was in 2021. And they, they basically said, we should put our heads together so we can work out how the pharmaceutical industry can help the UK get up to number one in the world for life sciences. And they held meetings every year up until, at least one meeting a year up until 2015. So I've got screenshots of numbers of those meetings. I've got a screenshot of the first meeting and I've got a screenshot of a meeting in 2014, 2015, when Pascal Swaro, who is the now CEO of AstraZeneca, was attending that meeting with the UK government. So, and the UK government has been behind the whole gene therapy, uh, you know, over that time. Now, uh, we've spoken about this before. Over 21 years, you said. 21 years. It shocked me when I saw it, but the the, the, meet, the minutes in the archives, uh, with me saying this, they may take the archives down, I don't know. But in the, in the UK government's archives for these meetings, they're all in there. And um, I've, um, I've got, um, as I say, I've got screenshots. It's, you know, it's absolutely incontrovertible evidence that the gov- UK government has been working with uh, the pharmaceutical industry since 2001. And in two, the, the, the group is called the Ministerial Industry Strategy Group. And in 2011, I think it was, they changed the name from, from that. They put biopharmaceutical in the middle. So it, it now became the Ministerial Biopharmaceutical Industry Strategy Group. So the only people involved in this meeting, it was the whole pharmaceutical industry. Now it's just biopharmaceuticals, respectively, <clears throat> is gene therapies and biologics. So they're now having meetings of how we how can we use gene therapies and biologics to become number one in the world? Wow. Yeah. It's absolutely. just really it's really chilling because essentially they are plotting to cause harm when you look at the degree to which both the biologics currently have a really serious side effects and the gene therapy shots have had devastating consequences in skyrocketing deaths, turbo cancers, heart attacks, strokes, reproductive damage, falling birth rates, excess mortality rates, in all of the heavily vaccinated countries. This is really, really uh, quite alarming. Yes, indeed. It's a failure. It's a failure to observe the um, 60 year um, history of the food and uh, drug uh, um, of the um, uh, food cosmetics and I forget what it's called now, but you know, and the title FDA title 21 Though all those regulations that have been in place for years, and every time something goes wrong, the medicine kills people, damages people, then the regulations are tightened, <clears throat> and they have all been ignored, as we've said many times on on on, on this show. Um, but I, I want to go back to the 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 the, the GSK involvement, the GlaxoSmithKline, because the CEO of GlaxoSmithKline 
is was a gentleman called Sir Richard Sykes. Now he's had a long history in the industry, and um, uh, Johnny Vedmore, we, we, when we spoke to him, he he raised this. But Sir Richard Sykes actually became the chair of the UK Vaccine <clears throat> Task Force. So now we've got a big pharma person who was at the first meeting in 2001. He is now chair of the Vaccine Task Force in 2020. And he has on his team Sir Ian McCubbin, who was his VP of Supply Chain Management when he worked for GSK. And he is now the chair of the Cell and Gene Therapy Catapult in the UK, which has the remit to grow these mRNA and gene therapies in the UK so that UK becomes number one. Now, um, so that's more evidence that all this is being actually sort of controlled and managed out of the UK with the whole Bill Gates involvement. You can imagine uh, Bill Gates, obviously he's got, but he had Boris Johnson on speed, speed dial. He's now in, in, in bed with, uh, Sir, not, not literally, but with, with Sir uh, Richard Sykes. And they're all working together now to basically push these gene therapies. And it's still going on. In, uh, and Sharon and I was, uh, spoke about this. Uh, Sharon Granger spoke, spoke on, on. Okay. Henley, you yes. were saying about the, this other person that has been involved under the radar. Yeah, yes, indeed. These are. Uh, senior GSK executives over many years. And GSK built a, a research and development. And uh, for our, li our listeners over here um, in America, GSK is GlaxoSmithKline Pharmaceutical Company. One of the leading ones in Britain, correct? Yes, uh, and it was the largest in the world. It was bigger than Pfizer. It was bigger in the sort of late 90s. It was a giant company. Um, it's got smaller over the years. But and in 1995, GlaxoSmithKline built a giant research center, uh, R&D center, in a place town called Stevenage in the UK, just outside Stevenage. And it was a giant center and they actually closed it down after about four or five years because nothing came out of it. They didn't discover any drugs. And it's been sort of in mothballs ever, ever since. Uh, but now they're bringing it back to life on the outskirts of Stevenage. And the UK government have also built a facility for a gene therapy company called Autolus in Stevenage town centre. So this is the, in the center of a town. They've built a facility to make clinical trial materials in gene therapy that will go into the NHS and uh, will be given to patients. So we will have the site there, 60, 66 million pound site, where they will be using hazardous chemicals. There will be emissions. And in the UK, you have to 
do risk assessments and do a lot of work before you can bring hazardous, particularly into a town centre, before you can bring hazardous materials in. But the other thing is the UK government has invested in another part of the UK to make lipid nanoparticles. Now, they, they should uh, uh, strike a chord with readers because these are the fatty the, 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 the fatty things that I'm not a scientist, but you know that, that, that wrap themselves, you know better than I, Dr. Lee, uh, around this mRNA to help it get into cells. So it's a company called Proda, and they will be exclusively making these lipid nanoparticles, and they will be traveling down the roads, the highways in the UK, down to Stevenage, and other hazardous chemicals. And um, the company called Autolus, they're only in phase one clinical trials, or maybe early stage phase two. There's still at least seven to eight years left in the development if it's done properly. Well, Henley, um, is the U is the UK government not following their normal regulatory oversight for safety and risk assessment when they're bringing in these hazardous chemicals into these towns? No, have no, they, no. Have they just waived all of those requirements? The bodies that the government is funding are doing all of this. Now they may say they, you know, they don't know enough about regulations to know they're being uh, bypassed. But um, the organisations involved uh, know exactly what they should be doing in terms of. There's um, a regulation, a health and safety regulation in the UK called uh, Control of Chemicals Hazardous to Health, and uh, they yeah. are very high profile regulations. These are health and safety, so any. CEO of an, any organization that's using hazardous chemicals has to put his own neck on the line to make sure that they abide by health and safety regulations. And these regulations are part of health and safety. So I don't even know if they understand the extent of the risk that they are taking. Uh, I, I, it's, uh, but uh, anyway, so so they built this facility um, and also, the cell and gene therapy catapults are bringing on all these small gene therapy companies to help them come to market. But all the products are in very early stage development. So the only way they're going to come to market if they actually bypass all the regulations in place that have <clears throat> been in place, you know, the good manufacturing practice and the good distribution practice. You know, they are just ignoring them altogether. It's, it is so shocking to see that years of development of safety standards are just thrown out the window in this mad, insane push to force these gene therapy agents on the world. It, it is truly staggering. Yes, indeed. And uh, you know, we've said this before, Dr. Peter Marks at FDA, he's on his third or fourth visit to London next year to attend a conference on mRNA products. You know, there are now two in the UK, there are now 200 clinical trials actually being started 
of four mRNA products. Um, Sherry Granger, who you remember from our last interview, she actually delved into that and she's found how many clinical trials are, are running in mRNA. There's a, an mRNA product for every condition you could find under the sun. You know, I, the, the public is just being abused and jeopardized at every turn. Uh, and, the, and how are they enrolling people in these clinical trials when all of the damage is, is happening around everyone? from the COVID shots. Yeah, I think they're having difficulty. I've looked at the database on the cell and gene therapy website, and a lot of these studies are, the status is in recruitment. Well, that means yes. they're trying to find patients to go on the studies, and I'm sure they're finding less and less who want to do that. Well, can you get, let's have Cheryl Granger back to discuss this with us for our listeners to go through what some of the conditions are that they are. And if we need to post a list of all of them and start a campaign to warn people, then we need to do that. The public needs to know the dangers that are coming at them and wake people up to the fact that pharma is not our friend and government is not our friend. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report and today is Inside Pharma. There's more to come in the second half. Don't go away. We will be right back. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org and our Whistleblower Report archive at www.whistleblowerreports.org dot org and check out our new truthforhealthstore.com where you can purchase exclusive professional grade formulas with quality ingredients and proper manufacturing quality oversight that will be options to improve your health and resilience without relying on big pharma products that don't have the same standards anymore. We will be right back. Check out the new Truth For Health store at truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost, that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report, Inside Pharma, exposing the black box and what's going on inside that black box that is hidden from the public with our pharmaceutical 
development, distribution, manufacturing, and supply chain expert, Hedley Reese from the UK, who has 40 years inside pharma working with the what have been quality standards enforced by regulators that are now being thrown out the window in this mad rush to develop a gene therapy mRNA product for every medical condition in the book. It is a very chilling and shocking and potentially damaging development, damaging to your health. Hedley, go ahead with what you were talking about. And I'm going to ask you to send some links so that our listeners can go and check some of the things that you've found in all of the research that you've been doing and look at exactly what's been going on in these secret task force strategy meetings that the public has not known about. Yeah, I would love to do that, Dr. Lee. That's um, that's really important that we get this out to people so they understand the extent of what's been uh, going on. I'm... Cheryl is going to join us next month, um, and I'm sure she'd be ha- really happy to share what she knows. She's another warrior like yourself who is digging into things. Uh, she's done the same things with AstraZeneca as uh, other people did with the Pfizer documentation. So uh, we'll certainly line Cheryl up for, for that. Um, yeah, so these... Um, gene therapies, they have got a life of their own inside the industry. Although we can see, and this is important for people to bear in mind, although we can see there's a resistance to these injections now, as people begin to understand the scale of the the, the issues and the side effects, the industry is still going on as if nothing has happened. It's still... um, running clinical trials in all these different um, indications, these different diseases. And the UK Health Security Agency, which now has taken over from the UK Vaccine Task Force, is um, basically doing the marketing for them as they are finding these new, you know, monkeypox, uh, polio, um, you you name you, you know doctors would know the conditions that uh, that they're, they're they're coming out with, uh, and something may be making up. I don't know, but um, th- there's so much going on in the industry. That that article that that um, editorial I read at the start that basically says that they're going to be go on going on working at warp speed and going on doing what they're doing unless someone stops them. And I'm, I'm just looking at this, uh, the Pharma Times magazine now. And as I say, I normally put it in the bin, but you wouldn't believe the things they're talking about. You know, AI for this, accelerating the pace of antimicrobial innovation. Well, uh, accelerating is a scary word in the first place, isn't it? And uh, I, I, I can send you some uh, some pictures out, out of this. How can yes, actually, really... Hedley, that would be a good idea. I think we should do a screenshot of that editorial. I think we should have a screenshot of some of these um, 
elements and then give people a reference to the whole article. I think people need to see what is being plotted that is with known harmful consequences and they're going ahead at warp speed and bragging about accelerating it in time frames that any expert in this field who's worked in this field knows cannot realistically be met in a way that is safe and has proper oversight to prevent harm to patients. Oh, yes, absolutely. It might, uh, it, nothing more certain, these drugs are not going to work, they're going to kill people, and we should be proactive and looking at where they're going next as well as dealing, containing what's happened in terms of patient safety, we should actually be looking at where these pharma companies are going and stopping them in their tracks. But people need to know this is going on. That's why it's so important that the work Cheryl is doing and identifying all these clinical trials. You could share those with uh, with, with people. We could share them. Um, and why is Dr. Peter Marks going constantly to these advanced therapy uh, conferences, he's rubbing shoulders with all these small companies. Now, these are tiny companies. They have not got a chance of developing a cup of tea, let alone uh, a, a drug. Uh, so um, but they all go into these conferences and they're behaving as if they've got these wonderful drugs up their sleeves and they're going to kill everything. You know, that you know it almost reminds me of, of Alice in Wonderland, the delusion and the alternate reality the hallucination that they that they have all of this capability that's non-existent yeah they yes. don't have i mean dr yeadon and dr gilthorpe and many other experts have made the point that there is not enough mrna raw material in the world to make all of the things they claim they're making. And the lipid nanoparticles are the toxic coating, that fatty coating around the mRNA that drives it into the cell, into the blood, through the blood-brain barrier, into the brain causing brain damage, drives the mRNA across the placenta to cause harm and death to the developing baby. I mean, this is truly, these are weapons of destruction. They are not weapons of cure. They're not for cure. They may make money for the pharma companies while they're killing people. But it's it's truly, it's very chilling. And and it it is just a, a demonic, deluded push to destruction in my with all the data that we know now. Well, that's a very good uh, explanation. That's what I was looking for from you, Dr. Lee, because uh, you know, I'm not a scientist, I can't explain that, but I, I know the processes uh, are, are corrupt. And you know, the science behind lipid nanoparticles is just not there. So why is the UK uh, funding a company in Staffordshire in the UK? Uh, I think it's six and a half million pounds to make lipid nanoparticles. You know, we have to ask that question because 
no one should be making these lipid nanoparticles because if they're going into these injections. Well, I, I totally agree with you. Look, for all of our listeners who don't remember, the lipid nanoparticles, one of the ingredients is polyethylene glycol. That is very parallel, similar chemical structure to the ingredient ethylene glycol in antifreeze. And it is designed as a solvent. This polyethylene glycol, I, I've been trying to identify medicines and products with PEG or polyethylene glycol in products that my patients use for many years because approximately 70% of the human population has antibodies to polyethylene glycol and can have adverse reactions, including anaphylactic reactions. So PEG has been something that I've had to find. In fact, it was one of the reasons that I started working with compounding pharmacists in 1988. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time to try and eliminate the polyethylene glycol preservative that was causing adverse allergic reactions in patients. So I've known about that problem for a very long time and tried to solve the problem clinically for patients who were allergic to it. But to put this polyethylene glycol as part of the lipid nanoparticle coating that is then driving the mRNA into the brain, into the placenta, harming the baby, harming the heart and lungs and kidneys and reproductive organs. The lipid nanoparticles make the mRNA concentrate in the ovaries and testicles. It's why birth rates are declining, fertility is declining, hormone production for men and women who've gotten the COVID shots is declining. I mean, it's it devastating damage. I don't mean to go off on a rant with, with your interview, but the medical consequences are staggering. And to knowingly keep pushing that is, is using a toxic design that they know is toxic and they're going ahead with it anyway. Yes, I, I think uh, people, these people are in Alice of Wonderland um, and I'm not even sure what, what part of what's happening, I think, is that the pharmaceutical industry has convinced governments that these injections are perfectly normal, perfectly safe. I think a lot of them believe the safe and effective mantra because, you know, polit it for politicians, it depends who they listen to. They And if you listen to people who've got, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, ulterior motives and you believe it, you could end up doing really evil things. And that's what's, what's happened. The fact that you know, governments want to build their profile in the world based on these toxic injections. Uh, it you know it doesn't it doesn't bear countenance. But it's we've got what we've got. But I think now it's all about getting out the you know all the work that you've done, Doctor Lee. I, I love that explanation. I must say that's uh, I love it when the doctor <laughs> knows what. That they're talking about that actually gives a very uh, easy to understand explanation. Um, well, you know, Hedley, I honestly think that's part of what that's a gift that I really see as God's gift to help me 
serve as a bridge between the highfalutin scientific language and words that lay people don't understand. It's not part of their vocabulary. And you know as well as I do that doctors and scientists and lawyers and other people in other professional fields have their own vocabulary and they spit out all these words that are hard for the average person to follow and really understand what does it mean. And that's why I try to be very graphic about putting the scientific terms. I can do a scientific talk, but quite frankly, I like taking the scientific explanations and putting it into language to help non-scientists and non-physicians and people who don't have a medical background understand why this is so important to them. Because if people understand what the damage is, they can make an informed decision based on the risk versus any benefit to them. And quite frankly, working with patients on this, what, what I, when they ask me, should I get the flu shot or the shingle shot, for example, even before COVID came along? And while I wasn't against the vaccines at that time, I, I am much more concerned about them now and stronger in my warnings. But my comment to patients was, I have treated patients with Guillain-Barre from the flu shot, which is an ascending paralysis that can cause death and permanent neurologic damage. And I think, based on my assessment of the patient, if you're basically a healthy person and you take care of yourself and you take your vitamins and minerals and nutrients and a healthy diet and exercise and you exercise common sense things like washing your hands, like our grandmothers told us, then you don't really need a vaccine. Flu is treatable. And we have lots of ways we can treat influenza. We can treat shingles. I've treated lots of shingles patients over my career. You treat it quickly. And there's combination medicines that are older, safer. We know how they work. And you treat it. And I've had more patients get shingles after the shingles shot then I've had, then I've seen patients get shingles without it. So to me, just taking a common sense approach, we haven't needed all of these vaccines for everything under the sun. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. And and you're right. I do like. I'd prefer to write health books for consumers and take the research, take the science, help them understand it and apply it in their lives. I find that that helps me help more people. And that's what you're doing. And tell us about, tell us about your, your book for lay people about understanding pharma. I think that would be a helpful resource to keep reminding people because you did write a, an easy to understand. You're working on a professional book on pharmaceutical manufacturing and distribution. And that's for professionals in the field. But tell us about your your consumer book. 
Okay, well, my consumer book is called um, uh, The COVID-19 Supply Chain, Fact Not Fiction. Um, I've self-published that myself. I'm, I'm writing a second book for Wiley at the moment, but I, I'm very conscious that that's an academic book. And I really want to get, like yourself, Dr. Lee, I want to get the, the person in the street, patients, to really understand why we need to take all these measures when we develop a drug. You know, we have to first make sure it's safe in animal models and using whatever technique we have without going into humans. And then when it goes into humans, we have to be very, very measured hmm. in the way that we run the clinical trials and the timescales, you know, the timescales are there because that's what's required. And a lot of the timescales are driven by the process, the manufacture of the drugs. You know, these drugs just don't pop out of the ground. You have to get raw materials. You have to have suppliers on board. You have to have contracts. You then have to get, you know, all the all the various uh, stages of manufacture complete. It takes a long time. And th that's why this whole thing is such nonsense. So what, what I've done with the book, I've really gone through everything. I've explained in simple terms the drug development process, the common technical document, the, the, the safety supply chain and clinical data that you have to supply to the regulation regulators. And in the olden days, it would have been, you know, 10 pallet loads of files of, 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 of data that would go to the regulators. And they typically take 12 to 18 months to review it all and decide if a, a drug was suitable or not. It's, it's now uh, electronic but it still takes just as long to review the data. And uh, so I, I've, I wrote the book in 2020 because I sort of knew this was going to happen. I could see all these things were going on that were totally against the common principles of any supply chain. You know, if you rush anything, if you rush a, an aircraft or an automobile or anything like that, you are going to produce defective products and you're going to potentially kill people and injure people. And uh, so well, and they I, have I, been killing people with the COVID shots, which is being swept under the rug. We just did a program with Dr. Eden and Dr. Gilthorpe and Andrea Clarich that aired this week on the excess deaths with the COVID shots. And they're using the same technology for all these other things. So it's very, they know they're, they know they're killing people oh, and they're yes. doing it anyway, which is what you're saying. Yes. The, the, the large farmers, the big pharma companies have divorced themselves from the whole of the supply chain from the distribution. They're just like puppet masters pulling strings with all these companies. No one's got any accountability. All the companies involved think someone else is doing it. Somewhere. So they're all excusing themselves by saying, oh, well, it's not us. It's that company of the that They are doing it too quickly. We are doing, we, we, we are just doing what we're told. And that's what we've got. It's an industry that's disconnected from its, its customer base so radically that it's got no control over anything other than sales and marketing 
and the patenting process. Those, those are the only two things that they use, patenting and sales and marketing. Again, in the book, uh, COVID Supply Chain, Fact Not Fiction, um, I explain that in easy to understand language. And once people have got the information and the knowledge, they can ask questions that are going to be searching questions because they're based on fact, not the fiction that we've been living with for the last three years, basically. Well, exactly right, Headley. And we we can talk with you about getting your book in our Truth for Health store because we will have shortly we a bookstore component of the foundation store to bring books to the public that we have vetted that we know are bringing truthful solid reliable information to people that they can use to make balanced informed decisions so we'll work on that and and i i do really feel from all that you've described and all of this history in the UK government pharma, and I'm, I'm going to call them what they are. They're secret meetings because the public is not informed that this is going on and that they are being pawns for profit by the pharmaceutical industry and the government is either knowingly complicit in the cover-up of these toxic designs or they are being duped. And either way, it is a horrific consequence for humanity. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm, I just think we have to call it what it is. They are using people as pawns for profit and this is a... A, a delusional push to destruction, knowing these designs are toxic. Are you, yeah. would you concur? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we are developing a shared understanding now of exactly what's going on. And I think strategies to stop these injections, uh, you know, uh, can be formed fairly quickly based on fact and proper knowledge. So, and the work you're doing, Dr. Lee, is pivotal. Well, thank you, Headley. You know, Truth for Health Foundation and my commitment to this Stop the Shots began with Dr. Mike Eden, former Pfizer vice president and chief scientist worldwide for respiratory pharmacology, who started warning about the dangers of the experimental COVID shots in October 2020 with Professor Wolfgang Vodarg of Germany. And when I heard that, I knew we had a serious problem. And then I met Dr. Eden in a virtual meeting, July 2nd, 2021. And at that moment, the information he shared with me led me to the conviction that we, Truth for Health Foundation and my work as a physician needed to take the lead in creating the Stop the Shot campaign and we launched four press conferences in August 2021 around the theme of Stop the Shots. And the first one was August the 4th, 2021. I am committed to exposing the evil agenda that is literally killing people 
and damaging human reproduction worldwide in the vaccinated countries. And they know they're doing it. And that's why I say it is truly evil. They know the damage they're causing and they're doing it anyway. Headley, it's my privilege to work with you in that initiative. You and Dr. Yeadon and Dr. Gilthorpe have been stalwarts as warriors in this front to expose what big pharma and big government are colluding to do that is so damaging. And I'm just grateful for our work together and your commitment and the fact that you have been tireless on this front. So thank you for being back with us today. And we look forward to your next program. I realize we're getting you less often on the whistleblower report while you're on the mad dash to the deadline of your academic book. But for all of our listeners, Headley will be back in December with another Inside Pharma whistleblower report. And we'll bring back Cheryl Granger, who has been digging into just exactly what are they doing with all of these clinical trials that they are trying to dupe people into participating in so that they can experiment with more damage. And I realize I'm being very tough in my language, but that's exactly what's happening. And we have to call it what it is and be truthful in the messages that we bring to people to save lives. So Headley, thank you for being with us today. And we look forward to your next appearance. And I will take the resources that you send me for this show and get those up there so people have access to many of the things, the links to the things that you have mentioned. You're welcome. Tune in again for another Whistleblower Report and check our archive at www.whistleblowerreports.org. All of our programs are there and truthforhealth.org for medical and legal resources to help you improve your health. Download our vaccine injury treatment guide. Download our early treatment guide for COVID treatment at home and all of our medical fact sheets to understand what's coming. Listen to some of our Faith Over Fear programs. The archive is there, and we have programs on emergency preparedness, how you stay healthy in turbulent times when maybe there are food shortages or medication shortages, what are things you can do, and turn back to God. Strengthen your faith, build your community, Stand strong and we shall prevail against the evil assault on our lives and our freedom. This is Dr. Lee for America. We'll be back again with another whistleblower report. Thank you for joining us today.